Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, champagne sharks. How's it going? Two of my favorite people as well as favorite guests are here and, um, yeah, I'm real, I'm real excited because we are going to talk about a stellar masterpiece, something that transcends the form. This was what cinema was created for, this movie. It was amazing. <laughs> and I feel like it elevated. <laughs> I don't know why they're laughing, uh, but, you know, I think they're laughing because of joy. Just talking about the movie just excites joy. It sparks joy. <laughs> it is uh, black boy joy, black girl magic. <laughs> this thing is everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to start with uh you know the order that i see in the screen so i'll go with uh m2me first cool yeah this is m2me gant um happy to be back on i've been, been a bit here on champagne sharks um filmmaker talker film artist and yeah you know i'm ready to talk about this um black cinematic masterpiece that's part <laughs> of the uh one probably the most important legacy black film from the 90s that uh we had to re bring we had to bring back to us you know this diasporic legendary film. Oh, um, <laughs> amazing I, I always say don't remake a movie especially a good movie unless you have something new to say and i gotta say this was different i mean it definitely <laughs> it definitely added something to the original you know I, I, this is true yeah yeah so I, i'll give it that and uh we also have michael so if you don't mind introducing yourself and reminding people who you are um i'm michael r jackson i am a theater tv film right screenwriter I got well, I'll be a screenwriter soon. <laughs> TV writer, TV writer, theater writer, theater uh, writer, musical theater primarily. Um, and I'm glad to be back with Champagne Sharks to chop it up about this fine, fine um, black cinematic masterpiece. Blew my mind. Haven't stopped thinking about it. Um, I was going to really, say, it really yeah. took us, it really goes there. Oh, it yes. really goes there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's I'm true. Guys, I'm gonna tell you guys right now. It goes there. It centers a lot of voices, and it holds space for all different types of voices and people to, yeah. you know, educate and elucidate on white supremacy and and that part. Yeah, that and part. It, that part. Yep. It's such a. It's and it's it's such a clapback, and we reclaim what was taken from us. You know, in a weird way, it does kind of believe those things that's the funny I thing know. like we're parodying it but they would say a lot of that stuff totally uh earnestly and i tried to finish re-watching it and i just didn't get it in time like um because i couldn't just sit through it all at once it was just too much somehow it was harder to watch the second time around because the second time around having seen it fully the first time the first time i just didn't know what the hell i was going for right oh, yes. and then at the end it kind of comes together and, and it's like wait you were going for that but now that I know what they're going for, I tried to watch it a second time. Everything is just jumping out. And I'm like, oh, my God. So that's why they did this. And this movie, I, all this time, we're just joking so long. I forgot to say the name. But it's uh, the new Jordan Peele uh, 
and what's the director's name? Oh, Nia, Nia, Nia DeCosta. No, I, Nia should De Costa. It, I should call it her name because she's the it's director. Because she did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. produced it. Yeah, Nia DeCosta's uh, Candyman. Uh, it's not a really a reboot, and it's kind of a sequel. It's a rebootquel. I don't know what you would call it, but well, it, it would be it, it would be the third because there is a. A, a Candyman too. I think it's the Candyman three. Oh, there well. is. Yeah. There is a Candyman three. You're right. Yeah, I've never but, seen that one. But I don't count the other two because I read the synopses and the original oh, guy didn't do the first one. But the second one, I heard. Um, I've seen Candyman too. Uh, I heard it gets some stuff wrong because I heard it makes him a slave, and he actually yeah. wasn't a slave in the first one. He was born free. His father was a slave, and the the creator actually was really upset that they. Um, misunderstood that so i think like the second one is kind of almost like fan fiction like interesting okay yeah all you really need is like the, the first one i'll say this about this movie when i was a kid i saw Candyman. i saw it in the theater and i did not like Candyman the first time and it was because i was looking at it as a kid and i was stuck in a very narrow lens as in i wanted our freddy krueger i wanted our jason where the guy is just like a badass or whatever and Candyman was kind of a badass he dressed snazzy he um had that <laughs> smooth voice it was really a cool like like tony todd didn't do anything wrong he was but i just could not get over the fact that his origin story was simping i was like this is just candy simp this guy is just just a killer simp he's, he's a predator simp he just wants a white woman really bad and and I was like, that's just a whack. And I just couldn't enjoy the movie for that reason. But after watching the Near the Cost of Candyman, I went back and that one was a much more of a masterpiece than I ever realized. Because once yeah. I made peace with the fact that he's kind of a simp, I watched it again. And I said, you know what? I so wanted him to be cool and pro-black. And I was so mad at this movie in 1992 for not being what I assumed it was going to be. I was not able to appreciate it for what it was. And what I realized watching it this time is the fact that he's doing all this uh, for a white woman and just killing black people is part of the point. Like Candyman is actually a meditation on cooning. It should be called Candyman. You know? Like that <laughs> like Candyman is just <laughs> a top tier coon. And yeah. when you watch it on that level, it's like, it really is a good meditation on, on that. Like he wants, he thinks because he's educated and, above like the other blacks who were slaves and everything that he thinks he is an honorary white person. The white people let him into their house to show him their art and to paint their uh, family members. So he takes it to the point where, hey, I can even start marrying their daughters. Then he gets his nigga wake up call. Then when he gets the nigga <laughs> wake up call, instead of being mad at white people, he somehow blames poor degraded black people. Like if it wasn't for you, I would have been accepted. And he spends the rest of his time killing and terrorizing. But when the white people come around, he still doesn't kill them. He still is trying to be down with them. And he's never given up on that desire. So in a weird way, he's kind of like the original blue check. He's a homicidal um, <laughs> blue check. And I found it very interesting. But I also think on some subconscious level, this these new people must have picked up on that because they're hell bent on redeeming him <laughs> into something else. And I'll, I'll stop well, there. I, I, I got to ask, and what does it say that they're so attached to Candyman. Like, 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 the, you know, Candyman is one of these weird films. That's why I, I kind of made that joke earlier about this, like, black cinema classic. Because, like, there's people who, like, literally, you know, you'll say Daughters of the Dust, uh, Chameleon Street, and Candyman. Like, Candyman gets, like, thrown in as, like, one of the black movies you have to, like, just acknowledge exists. And I was like... I never felt that way. I mean, I remember seeing Candyman. I was like 12 when I saw it. I thought it was fine. Like I wasn't, 
I wasn't addicted to it. You know, it wasn't like one of these things I had to constantly see. But, you know, I, I, I didn't dislike it. It was just whatever to me. But there's just people I remember when Peel announced that he had, like, I guess, acquired it or whatever, like, signed the deal to do it before Nia DaCosta had got tabbed, tagged to be the person to direct it. There was like this, like, yeah, man, Candyman is just so important. And I was like, it was always like these blue check people who I yeah. was just like, why, why is Candyman like, like Candyman and the color purple, like live in the same kind yeah. of like, <laughs> color purple like hideously overrated. Yeah, yeah, the, but but it, I always find it funny that these like white director films are like these like super classics to these people. And the color purple, definitely for the people in, where, where I'm from who are not blue checky who have the color who have that relationship with the color purple. I'm not going to say that. I have yeah. a deep love of the color purple. It's it's a childhood thing. It'll but never go as many as many black folk brother. And I haven't watched it for 20 years, but Probably like for the better or more, but like it's a childhood thing. It'll <laughs> never go oh, away. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. My it's family loves it. Black people. Say, my, my mother. Yep. Black people quote it all the time. And if you ever walk by when they used to have color purple over on uh, Broadway, it would be full of black people and black tourists like down south people yeah. who, who attend Tyler Perry stage plays, you know, were at this color purple so it's like you know it does get a real black audience i'll give it that i i understand the color purple candy man i don't really get i it 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 doesn't totally make sense to me i mean it makes sense to me when i think about who are the people who have this you know jordan like this was like this this was jordan peele's great reboot and i was like candy man bro yeah i i had a similar experience to trevor because I I didn't I don't think I didn't see it when it initially came out, but I but it was one of those movies I was like, oh, I always wanted to see that. And then I finally got to watch it like on VHS or, or DVD or something like that some years later. And I and it was a total letdown for me. And I don't even remember the something part of it. I just remember being like, oh, it's just like the villain is like he's getting revenge because of some like race thing. It just wasn't, it didn't ha- live up to the like the the myth the mythological whatever that all those other movies. And so I just kind of was like, this is stupid. I don't really get it. It doesn't have, there was nothing to it. I don't even remember it. Like it, it didn't leave any sort of impression on me at all. I, I have a sick theory about Candyman after watching the original a second time after, after watching the second one, like, because first of all, the fact that they want to redeem Candyman is very weird. And, yes. and I th- realized why, when I watched the second one, I'm like, I think a lot of aspiring blue checks just see this movie a different way. They see him and it's like, oh, he's educated. And he was rubbing shoulders with, uh, you know, the wealthy white people. And, and um, he was able to sleep with the most beautiful white debutante of the place and he was talented but he wasn't appreciated and everybody was jealous of him and you know he was so smooth and he was a talented tent type and and part of me thinks i think they probably think Candyman is kind of a tragic and if you think about it he's only killing like like uh the most stereotypical type of black people you know in the projects like those are that was such 90s stereotypical black that they had in that movie like it reminded me of the movie south central but worse like you know like you know <laughs> that's like the weird bad hip-hop and there's somebody called like yeah. b-wiz or something or you know or t-dog or something it was yeah it was so like the projects and the graffiti on the walls i'm like even for projects that looks really disgusting like that does not look like uh, like it's such a cartoonish caricature yeah. of the project. So I, part of me, th- and maybe I'm being too uncharitable to them, but I think part of them kind of use Candyman as almost like um, a tragic 
sympathetic figure as in but when i when i watched it the second time i liked the movie but in a way that i did not like it before but i liked it in terms of this i think is just a really good parable on you know when you just are mired in self-hate and all you can think about is um assimilating like like this guy is bound to the earth by his um desire to like terrorize uh, poor black people and reign over them like he wants to be the manager to me of like or the overseer of black people, but he's yeah. he's afraid to terrorize white people to me, you know? And for white people, all he wants to do is, uh, you know, win him over. Like, like he, does the, he doesn't kill the white woman, but her friend comes over to black woman. He kills her in a second. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's like get out of here, bitch. Like, you know, he just yeah. uh, uh, kills her, but he's cheating her all g- gingerly and stuff. It's a, uh, and I think in a weird way, that's the kind of black movie some white guys are good at making. You know what I mean? Because I think they, kind of understand that 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 need of some black people to really be accepted i don't know it, but it, but it's interesting because i think this movie one reason why another reason why i think they like it is because i think all they care about is what's known and what's big and they don't really think beyond that so Candyman's a big property and he's yeah. known and he has a fan base so i think it's all they need to want to be Candyman as well like they might not even be thinking of it in the deeper level i'm thinking of they might just think oh Candyman's a hot property so you know we we want to you know make that ours because because they want to be that's what the that's what the 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 the, the reclaiming thing comes in it's like Candyman, black panther even though they were made by white authors there's this idea well well, lovecraft country is lovecraft country these things belong to us Uh, lovecraft country is even weirder because because there is no right uh, no book right no no not just that i mean no, I mean, there's the Lovecraft Country book, but no, the, the concept, right, of at least Black Panther, it's a Black character. So, right. so I mean, it still makes no sense to say that you're, rec- you're going to reclaim him because he wasn't created by white people. But you might want to say, oh, this is a Black character. We want to uh, say claim him, whatever. Claim and, him. Yeah, exactly. There's no re. Reclaim, just right? claim him. <laughs> but uh, Lovecraft was a racist who hated Black people and wrote about white people and used, like, negative allegories for race like, like like he used these kind of allegorical stories that are basically about uh demographic fear of like you know being annihilated by overbreeding you know black people and everything so like what is it about that that makes you think that's yours that, that'd be like weird like someone saying hey you know this birth of a nation movie that's all about how black men are like monster rapists and the kkk is good we want to reclaim that you know it's like <laughs> huh? like what do you you know like at least the other things are ostensibly trying to pander to black people, even if they were made for um, white people. But yeah, now they're trying to even, quote unquote, reclaim things that are actively hostile to uh, black people just because they're popular. As long as it's popular, they want to attach themselves to it and and basically reflect the glory of it, even if it's something by a racist. I think it's has to it probably a lot of this all goes back to the same issue that plagues so many so much of, um, you know, this like popular black uh culture is people wanting presentism people wanting to project their own issues onto onto this ip and like that's where the reclaiming is it's like they don't they don't even have any original ideas they just want to remix like their own you know uh neuroses into you know an existing property yeah. i mean they, they do that with everything not even just art but uh, there's this great paper by this professor at Howard called Valithia Watkins, and it's called, uh, I'm, I'm butchering it, but I'm paraphrasing, but it's like the Black Feminist Reclamation Project. And it talks about how all these uh, new intersectional, trendy um, academics 
keep trying to take historical figures and retrofit them into intersectional feminism. Mm. So they'll call like Harriet Tubman an intersectional feminist and everything. Or a superhero. Yeah. Like in in Harriet, they literally call her a superhero. Yeah. And and they gave her powers. And and Casey Lemons, who was in the original Candyman, a man that directed Harriet, in interviews said that uh, Harriet Tubman had a spidey sense. She she uses words in the interview. And it's like, right. no, she actually had a head injury and hallucinated. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, y- y- yeah, so so it's like this, this weird thing where they can't really create anything. I mean, they do it even now, like the new eyes on the prize. Say what you will about the original civil rights generation. This is a uh, point that our guest Jared Ball made. He said, even if you think, you know, the civil rights generation didn't do all they could or, you know, maybe were too assimilation minded or whatever, there's all these critiques to them. They at least got some things. They got the Voting Rights Act. They got some legislation uh passed and everything you know uh yeah even if they even if some of them even admit that they didn't go far enough they got something you can ask them what did you do and they could say we got rid of segregation in the south we got this we integrated bus counters whatever but he's like these new people are so triumphant and strutting and peacocky and in the new version of eyes on the prize and they actually don't have any actual accomplishments unless you count like warner warner overall deals and stuff like that. They haven't even gotten anything, but the one thing they do try to do... No, they've they gotten stuff for themselves. Yeah, they've gotten stuff yep. for themselves. But the one thing that they do do is that they make sure to let everybody know that they're somehow the inheritors, that somehow these people were the John the Baptist to them. Like, you know, like like they were just a warm-up for, for them, like the original eyes and the oh, prize generation well, like, uh, like they like barrett reston was like their opening act yeah exactly yeah no <laughs> and you see that in movies like one night in miami like i i, I had said that with adam shout out to adam thomas we we're talking about one night when we talked about one night in miami we were talking about how you know regina king directing this movie about you know Malcolm X and, you know, Muhammad Ali and these figures, it just felt like this really lame attempt to make the Black Hollywood project the 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 heirs of the these great political figures, you know, like that, th- that is what's carrying the legacy, right? Regina King making movies and winning Oscars is what's like, you know, carrying the project, uh, the, 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 the legacy. And I was like, that's ridiculous. And they have a vested interest. It's all part of their marketing plan to basically make themselves, like you said, Trevor, like, you know, that's how that they make themselves relevant, right? Beyond, you know, just another actor or director or somebody short, else. And shortcutting their way to liberation. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. And and, and not even like, you know, a type of... Like montaging their way to... Yeah, it's not even a collective liberation. It's like I want to liberate myself as an individual from the masses of y'all niggas. That's that's what I want to liberate from. Right? <laughs> I want to liberate myself into a condo in a nice right. gentrified neighborhood with a sweet green in the in the first floor. That's that's what I want to liberate into. You know, so yeah, it's not collective liberation. It's just no. whatever. Uh, but you know, there's a line in this, or I'm gonna paraphrase it because I can't remember it. But there's like a line that's put in the because the plot makes no sense but this line near the end of the movie kind of reveals what the movie's going for and i think they were just contorting all types of nonsensical stuff to get to this point but the guy burke the one played by coleman um domingo Domingo, yeah it's the worst acting job i've ever seen him do that guy is usually a good actor like i even asked uh you guys i'm like is it coleman domingo usually a good actor because i I typically like him yeah coleman is pretty great 
Yeah, yeah. and I think the script was just that unactable and that it even made good actors just I mean, he was kind of it was just hammy. It was weird. But anyway, he has this line and the summary of it basically, I couldn't remember it exactly as so I went to Wikipedia. It's the part where he gives his kind of cackling supervillain bond villain speech where he reveals his plan, you know, to the good guys while they're um, <laughs> tied up. And I couldn't understand the plot, even when he explained this. I went to Wikipedia and when Wikipedia writes it, it becomes crystal clear. He says, um, Burke plans to have the police gun Anthony down to create a new legend with the Candyman as an instrument of vengeance rather than a symbol of black pain and suffering. So that <laughs> sentence, I think, was a meta My God. sentence. I, I realized that's what they were trying to do. They were like, okay, Candyman is, you know, I, I'm thinking like them. I'm thinking with their language. So I'm like, oh, Candyman was, you know, um, a, a powerful, famous thing and everything. It was very popular, but um, it was basically about black suffering and it centered like straight black men and you know white women and it um was about like uh trauma and everything and we want to reclaim that and make it our own and make it as instrument of well, i think vengeance means vengeance against the police and justice so basically just admitting we want to take this property and turn it into what we want it to be not do something true to it so basically for people who haven't seen the movie or even people who have, you know, basically what happens is the movie ends with Candyman being transformed into a Black Lives Matter superhero who kills the police. Tell everyone. Tell yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And it's almost like an optimistic note. It almost ends on like, yeah, oh, you know, totally optimistic. Yeah, It's, it's like, almost it's like, like he's Bishop from X-Men. Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> tell, tell everyone. I'm from the future. I'm from the future from an alter, from an alternate universe where Professor X was killed. You know? and, and then the candy man, the new Candyman morphs into a really bad CGI Tony Todd. And so it's been this kind of triumphant moment. It's like, yeah, Candyman's the, now the hero of the hood. And he's going to uh, kill cops for black people. But the dumb thing about this movie, right, right, is that to create these, first of all, there's multiple Candyman. A Candyman is now uh, Primerica or Amway. It's like a multi-level marketing scheme. Right? There's, there's like 50 Candyman now. There's like 50 Candyman and you recruit Candyman, right? This, this is how you make new Candyman, right? So this plot is so amazing. He wants, the, the bad guy wants to make new Candyman so that these Candymen can become instruments of righteous Black Lives Matter justice against the cops. But the way to create these new Candymen is to get innocent Black men and frame them and get the cops to kill them. So, you, so this is literally Silver Surfer. Galactus, <laughs> Galactus gets like the Silver Surf turns him into the Silver Surfer and makes him like a servant of him. him of, like, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but this is even weirder because it would be like if Galactus was like, "Look, I want to create you to destroy planets because I want the planets to get strong enough to stop you from destroying them." And it's like, it's like, <laughs> right. It's like, nigga, why don't you just not destroy the planet? Like, it makes no sense. Like, no why, are you creating, why are you creating police brutality and killing innocent black men just so you can create new candy men well, to kill the cops? Because innocent, innocent black men can just die. It doesn't matter. 
Who cares? Yeah, yeah, basically. And, and first of all, why do you need 50 Candyman? Because only one appears at a time. Why do you have to keep creating new ones? Just get the original Tony well, Todd Candyman well, and be like, hey, Tony Todd, would you mind doing that's this? That's what threw me the first. That, that was that was my before they, you know, did the, the, the full diabolical plot. When they did the whole Candyman is actually a lineage. I was like, yeah, I gotta be fucking kidding. Me. I was like, so now we're going, we're going to do franchises. We're going to have candy. It's, it's like Assassin's Creed. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have Candyman 1982. Right, or Candyman 1931, right? We're going to be in World War II Candyman. It'd be good if every Candyman has something from the era because those people aren't subtle. So 1942 Candyman is a zoot suit on. In, in exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like 1960s. It's like yeah. Jet Beauty of the Week. Yeah. <laughs> Your 60s Candyman is like a Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? Right. It should be fucking hilarious. Disco <laughs> Candyman. 70s Candyman. Disco Candyman, bro. 70 can- <laughs> 70s Candyman has like a bell bottoms and there's like a, yes! a, 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 a wah-wah guitar and a soundtrack. It's coming out. <laughs> it's going to be too much, man. I'm t- you got platform but shoes. But that's how these people think, though. Like, I think a lot of times when they create this stuff, in the back of their head, like if this film is successful enough, we can do these extra properties. You know, it's, 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 it's all a part of the, of the, the, the IP movement. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they could even exists. do a Candyman HBO Max series where, you know, every arc is a different Candyman or something. What? They every, could even every do season. a cartoon kind of like how they did with um, the Hammer. Remember the Hammer cartoon? cartoon? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh Hammerman? Hammerman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cartoon. I had so many questions. Like, like one of my questions I had, right, is like, do the new Candyman take over like popes or like princes and, you know, like, like, hey, the, the Candyman in 1982 succeeded the Candyman of like, you know, 1972, had it for like nine years, like, like heavyweight champions. And it's like, uh, who was the Candyman of 1990? Oh, that was... uh. John Rawlings of Detroit, Michigan, you know, or is it like regional, like, you know, like, like, like salespeople, this is my region. Like, Hey, I'm the candy man of Detroit. You're the candy man of New York. If somebody says candy man in the mirror five times, I show up, you know, you don't show up in my territory. Like, like, are they assigned territories like the candy man of Milwaukee? Exactly. You know, <laughs> well, so, so do they serve at the same time? Did, are they given different regions? Because the Tony Todd candy man reappears at the end anyway. And- He's down and, with killing cops. So why do you need to keep creating new ones? Apparently, you've gotten the original Candyman to become a BLM Candyman at the end. So, so. wait, also, if I might be misremembering this, what's what's the name, the main character's name, the, the main dude? Oh, Anthony. 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 Yeah. Was was he wasn't he actually like literally the son of oh. the second Candyman? Oh no, no. Or he the was third one? he was the baby. That Candyman kidnapped in the first movie. In the first movie, so he is kind of like son of Candyman because Candyman tried it, to there kidnap him. There wasn't direct lineage. No, no. Okay, I thought, but there, I thought there, they said something like that. But no, because it, it had to do with the kidnapping. But I think it's right. kind of like suggested that you know this is part of his destiny. Also, right, is you know trying to make him like a tragic hero. You know, and, and the mom was trying to hide it, right. played by um. Uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Williams. Williams. Vanessa Williams. Not the um, Miss America Vanessa Williams, but but yeah. the other one. Melrose Place is Soul, Soul Food Vanessa Williams. Oh, I think yeah. her is Melrose Place. But yeah, she was on I, that too. I, I, think, I think of New Jack City. Rock the Bob, baby. She was great in New Jack City, but when I rewatched the original Candyman, she does this hood accent that is so atrocious. I don't know oh, what man. she was going for. And she was okay in New... She was great in New Jack City. Like, I don't... Yeah. But, 
she wasn't really. I got a feeling someone gave her a direction, like Robert Townsend Hollywood Shuffle. Like you know, stick your ass out. Can you can you black it up? Can you black it up? This thing made no sense of accent, and I, I've seen her act before, and I've seen her play black people of different socioeconomic status, and I've never seen it. It was almost like minstrelly. It was really weird. And she's a Brooklyn girl. It's like, come on, yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, you know, like you should be able to naturally do it. Yeah, and she's and she has done it before. So is this this movie? It was. I'm wondering, like, if the director Bernard Rose, the original, was giving us some weird instruction or something. I don't. I don't know. It was very weird. Like, uh, full disclosure, M2MA has never been sold on Jordan Peele. I fully bought in. I watched like Get Out like four times in the theater. I fully bought in. He started losing me with his later movies. And so I realized, okay, this guy is just writing um, basically Where's Waldo with Easter eggs and, and symbolism and everything, you know? But yeah. I said, you know, I still like Get Out. I've become convinced after too many things that Jordan Peele has done, Get Out must have been bad and I just didn't notice it. <laughs> I, I, I've just accepted that. I, I Either that or someone else wrote it. I don't know what's up with that guy. Something's off. Well, I, I can legitimately say as much as I don't like Get Out, it's not as bad bad as these movies as like us um, i agree like candy man and um whatchamacallit that i watched some of his twilight zone reboot and it's just it's just god awful yeah i it's, heard bad things about that too. it's god yeah, I, heard it, I heard it was bad i think i think you know i like i i dislike get out more on the grounds of what he was trying to do had a lot of like serious inconsistencies and it just didn't work and i think it kind of exposes his like really big blind spots us and then this movie from a screenwriting standpoint are just complete messes oh yeah they're just, they're just complete messes and like this is where like i don't think nia da costa's really shows like any like a strong hand of directing in this film but the the script issues in this movie and us in Candyman and us are so similar Yes. And then the overall ideology that also, I think, extends to Get Out exists. Yeah, he has to take a bulk of the blame. It's just so like it sticks out and they're like in the same world. One thing I'll say about Get Out is that at least the plot is coherent, even if it's fantastic and improbable. The plot is coherent. Like you can make a timeline out of it. You know, like you might say, oh, how can they get away with this this long or whatever? There's things you can say like that, but at least it's a coherent plot. Us is so incoherent. Like how can all those people fit under the earth? Who made the thing? What like like there's so many logistical things that just make no sense with that. Like it's you know, a fifteen it's a fifteen year old's idea. Us. Yes, like it's it's yeah. like literally a, a teenager's idea of a movie, and you yeah. gave this guy a, a, like forty whatever forty thirty million dollars to make. Yeah, yeah, he was so that, in love with this concept, he just couldn't yeah. let it go. And this is the same thing where basically the police create new Candymen right by killing them, but then the new Candymen who were killed by the police set up to more black dudes to be murdered by the police and become new Candymen all for the purpose of creating an army to kill them. Like, it just makes no sense. Like basically to save the hood, you have to get rid of the Candymen and the police, but they want to pretend the Candymen are somehow heroes of the hood, but maybe they're okay because they only kill black men. Maybe that's, that's what it is. I think so. I think that's part of it because the, the, the hero in the film is clearly not Yaha. It's, 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 and ends up being his, uh, his girlfriend. Yeah. And she weaponizes. He's totally impotent and useless while he's alive. But yeah. when he dies, suddenly he is scarily effective and he's useful to bludgeon the police and to weaponize against the police. And that, I think it's a good allegory for how like 
Black Lives Matter abuse black men. Like, you know, living black men are just useless, um, patriarchal, don't pull their weight or whatever. They're the weakest link. And that's what he was throughout the whole movie. But once he's dead, suddenly, you know, um, he's a useful useful. symbol. Yeah, he's a useful symbol. And he's helping, you know, uh, everyone who's competent is basically not a straight black man in this movie. And the woman who helps make him not be impotent is named Brianna. Mm. Which I did not catch until y'all said that. I, I didn't. I, I didn't catch it either. That's all. That's all, Michael. I. All I did not. I did not catch that at all. When when we have a text thread, uh, the three of us, and when 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 that was dropped, my jaw went. <gasps> Same here. No, they did it. They really did it. They really named her Brianna. It's one of the things so obvious. You almost don't want to believe it because you still want to believe it that bad. I think it's because I had watched that um the little short documentary that they made on their web on the Candyman website with all of them uh-huh. talking, and they're just they're the the people that the involved with it and the people they brought in to talk about it are so mired in like the, the ideology that they that they carry that it just oh, I, I was like when I, I watched it was movie, so self congratulatory too oh it was so self congratulatory and like. And they said thing. The thing that got me about it is they were like, "Oh, we wanted to make this movie." I think like Nia might have said this, or maybe it was Coleman or somebody said it. They were like, "We want to make this movie that that was would not traumatize black people, but that was still scary." And I'm just like, "How do you do that?" But also, like, especially- how with all these straight black men dying? How does that traumatize them? But I, but I think they don't count them, so it doesn't matter. Like right. basically, well, yeah, no, no black women were dying. Uh, yeah, think about I, don't, this. I don't think there were any straight men there in that in that panel. The first the first movie, I think Candyman mostly killed um, black women and uh, black children. Honestly, if I remember correctly, and um, he killed he killed a white man. This one, he kills all black men mostly and a white girl. And I think that's kind of reversal. That makes it not traumatizing anymore, you know, because I think they don't view. But he killed a couple of white girls. Yeah, yeah, he killed, the, a, in, he killed in, a couple of white girls. The school and the white and 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 the white the art the white dealer, art dealer, art, the white art, art dealers and art and, critic, um, yeah. Oh, the and black, dealers and, and, and the art and, and the white art critic lady. Right. Yeah, and and some black men, some black men died. So yeah, but, I think it's that's why they think it's not traumatizing because it's only them dying. Wait, who were the black men that he killed? Well, he didn't directly kill them, but the Coleman guy uh, killed, basically set him up to be killed so that he can. So I feel like Coleman was acting like an agent of the Candyman. So the Candyman figure himself didn't directly kill black men, but black men had to die or be set up to be killed to create Candyman. So it was like the police were killing them. And then Coleman as an agent oh, I see. of Candyman. So it's like, but it's such a demented concept. If you oh, see, yeah. I mean, it's such a demented concept, this idea that, I mean, whoever they are, that these, this, this group of people can only become actualized by some kind of like death. Everything's about affirmation and validation. And these people, I, th- I think to do really good satire and to do really good um, self-criticism, you have to be willing to kind of lay yourself bare and kind of take some shots at yourself like uh, um, let themselves or include anything that is not affirming for a second you know they just can't they just can't do it they just fall apart but the original Candyman let's look at him he's an artist okay he grew up middle class compared to his parents so he's his ancestors wildest dreams you know like he's basically Everything that they, you know, think he dressed well, spoke well, could play. I think he could play. Did he think he could play a fiddle or something? I don't remember. But I he, think so. He, he was such a good artist that 
white people commission him. That's just like them. They get to write at BuzzFeed and New York Times and Vice <laughs> and all these places. He didn't like black people. He only was hanging out with these white people and he thought he was fancy. He was put on, too yeah. black for the black people and not quite enough for the white people or whatever that thing. That people yeah, yeah, exactly. He's totally them. Then he, you know, uh, tries to interracially date and everything, falls in love. Then he realizes, OK, they just think I'm a nigga after all. Gets traumatized by it and that his talent and all his heirs weren't enough to cross him over into being white. And then he is forced once he realizes that he's black he's like well if i can't be accepted and assimilate then i'm gonna go to the black people and be the head of the black people which is what all these uh people do they become activists they become mm-hmm. like, like they join black movements and they artivists. don't want to join at the they bottom artivists yeah they become artivists and they don't want to join a movement <laughs> like like if you're new to like the plight of poor black people or whatever then you should join a movement at the back if you discovered you're black in college or after your ex-girlfriend's father called you nigger or something, you know, <laughs> then you're new to being black. You should be taking notes. You shouldn't come down to the hood or whatever and say, okay, guys, I'm the king of black people and I want to be deferred to be centered in the movement. But like Candyman comes down to the hood and he wants them to worship him. In the original movie, he's like, you know, I want them to say my name all the time. That keeps me alive. Like he gets off on terrorizing, living off the um, power trip that he gets over running roughshod over um, you know, black people. That's all he does. I'm like, that first movie that you want to quote unquote reclaim is actually a better representation of you than this idealized version that you're trying to pretend where you're just, you know, these um activists who thrive off dead black men to create all this justice. Like, you know, you guys are impotent. You guys have not done any single blow against the police. The fact that Candyman actually accomplished anything against the police already makes him not you. It's interesting. I was I was reading this interview um, with uh, Lee Chang Dong, the director who directed Burning, uh, the Korean film. Um, and he had said something that I think is really interesting. He says the problem with modern movies, he says, especially he said that he said, especially American movies is Americans are are um, insistent on making you feel that everything is going to be OK at the end of a film. Meaning that, yeah, someone might lose their life or there's a tragedy. But even in the tragedies, there is, you know, this silver lining that, you know, we're going to get through it. You know, that was one of my things with like, with like, with like Get Out was the whole ending. I was like, there's like, well, they definitely are just going to basically, you know, uh, say, you know, we have to, you know, he's going to get away. He's going to be scarred. He's going to be traumatized. But you know, he he escapes. His friend is there at the end of the day. And I remember I, I had a discussion with um, uh, a black woman about it. And she was like, well, I thought I, I didn't love the I didn't like the ending. And she was like, well, we need a win. You know, it was good oh. for us to get a win. Right. And I was just like, wow, OK, that's that's an admission. But and you see you see this in the thing of something like Candyman, where it's like when the movie started and I'm watching it, my first thought was, OK, they basically live in this high rise where where, where Cabrini was. I was like, well, here's the premise of the movie. These rich black people go and live in the very lands where these, you know, poor black people live. And you create something out of that where it's like the reckoning. It's the real reckoning of the of, of the black bourgeoisie who have now kind of entrenched themselves in, you know, kind of white social mobility. Right. Trying to achieve whiteness. Of course, the movie did none of that. It's like, right. Yeah, absolutely. But it, was, but it was weirdly like right there. It was <laughs> Right it, was like a, it, was, it was like a it was like a ghost that was like haunting 
this movie. Yeah, it was like, yo, wake the fuck up. It's right here. Do you remember that scene when the girlfriend was at the museum being interviewed by the other black woman? And that white white, um, mannequin or whatever was standing there and the camera kept moving close and all you could see was her and the mannequin. I was like, there's a weird subconsciously this movie is aware of what it should be and it's not and it keeps not going there. Totally. I totally felt that several times, you know, the uh, the her her brother, this like weird comment that he only dates white men. Yeah, that was right? weird. Like, what was that about? I was like, I was like, what, what what is this movie trying to explore? But like just like running away from literally in this in, 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 in the same moment. Yeah, I, I made a note. I had uh, notes on a Google Doc and one of them was uh, why did they make the brother a snow queen? Like, why was that so? Important, but, that's, but again, that we, to me, when I saw that, I was like, "That's accurate." But yeah. but they don't know they don't know how to use that to any sort of effect to what the again the ghost that's haunting this movie about this sort of weird uh, class uh, inter intra racial class thing. It's like I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like these, he would have like a white partner. Like it made total sense to me. Yeah. But, it, but they don't know how to actually use that. Because they have no conception that it might be bad. Because to them, as long as they do it, it must automatically be good. And it must be right. obvious to everyone else that it's good. Why? Because they do it. It's this weird tautology. Like, um, this type of black person is... We're this type of black person because this type of black person is good. Well, why right. is this type of black person good? Because it's us. Okay, but right. why do you want to be that? Because it's good. It's like They have a weird tautology. that They can't break that tautological loop. So they just... Yeah. Uh, and you need to be able to break that type of tautological loop to be able to self-critique. And they just can't do it. They can't consider that, hey, maybe we were wrong all along. It's not possible. And you know, you know a little thing that they did that I thought was so stupid and slick, but they always do this. And uh, Slave Play touches on this real quick, where the woman acts like um, she expected to expect, ex- escape racism because the white man she found was British, you know, from Europe. And I didn't really realize it until that movie, but then I realized uh, after, I mean, after until that play, but I realized after that play, I was like, oh, there is something to that. Like, for example, Phoebe Robinson had this uh, stand-up special. I watched nine minutes of it. I couldn't get through it. It was on HBO Max. I was just curious to see if she improved as a comic. Somehow she got worse. It was amazing. But she keeps going on and on about her British white boyfriend, you know, and there's something about, hey, you know, he doesn't descend from the South. So his people weren't lynching, you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, they, they owned uh, eight tenths of the world at one point, you know, and did whole genocide. And they gave birth to the people who were lynching. Exactly. exactly. And, and, they start, and they, <laughs> they started sent the them whole, over there. <laughs> yeah. And he started the whole slave trade, you know, but, you know, right. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, he's, he's British. He's usually going on British, British. And, you know, in Jeremy's play, he kind of dealt with that, too. Like, like one guy was like off white, like maybe Spanish or something. They couldn't tell what he was. Right. And then the other guy was um, British. And I, so he didn't say all these uh, famous designers or these white designers. She made sure to accent European. I think that was supposed to make the brothers snow queenery good because, you know, but I mean, it wouldn't work for a straight black guy. There's a straight black guy there who was dating European women they wouldn't be like oh that makes it fine they would just you know get weakest link you know it's, it's, it's a weird there's all things this is weird double standards and logic that come from being unwilling to admit that you might not be perfect and pop-up video the girlfriend was the original black woman in slave play yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah you're right. yeah I, which 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 is funny i i 
what's it? What's 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 that sister's name? Tiana Tiana Paris. Tiana Paris. I, 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 it's she's been in so many of these pieces. At least these like she's she was in Chirac. She was in Dear White People, the film. Like I'm just like this is so, so, she's oh, in so many of these like these pieces, slave play that are just the totems of all that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, and so regressive while thinking they're so progressive. Like that's, yeah. that's the and and you know who does that too? Uh, who's in things that are really regressive, but uh, thinks they're progressive is Yaya. Like they're made to be paired as a couple. Like Yaya just has big muscles for no reason because he is just uh bitch made in everything what else in. has he been in because i didn't know who he was watchman and um what was his what was his before watchman what was his big thing he was in watchman there were some other things he was in he, i know he was an right aquaman now. and he was aquaman's main nemesis but in the movie he's basically second banana to another villain he basically gets dispatched really quick. He's kind he's of a- in us also. He's in us. Oh yeah. Is, he, he, is he in us? Who's he in us? Was he's, he the he was the husband? No, that's um Winston Duke. He's Yaha is um uh he's like one of the friends or something like that. Oh, this what I remember him from most vividly, he's in that episode of Black Mirror with Anthony Mackie. Oh yeah, that's, that's about the one. about about the two about the two the the two friends who end up playing a video game and become lovers via the video game. Oh, that was the one that people got real upset about. Yeah, the one that was a lot of controversy about was it yeah. you know about brother brothers being on like the, I guess the download, the download digitally. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. which, is, which, is, which is ironic because, you know, Anthony Mackie used to be very, like, anti-playing um, a queer like gay character. Stuff. Gay right. stuff. Yeah, he's, he used to be very, very, very anti it, and he does this episode. Yeah, but I noticed in general, like, Anthony Mackie seems to be playing ball a lot more in in general. And, yeah. like, like, that was my problem with the episode was that I didn't care that they were depicting, uh, you know, black guys being gay or discovering they were gay or whatever, but I felt like it was meant to play into the trope that black men uh, do everything secretly while having a, uh, a woman and lying to the black woman. Like it was very yeah. Oprah in the two thousands. It was the, <laughs> it was the, uh, <laughs> yes, the, the DL yeah, episode. Very, the DL episode. I wrote, I, when I was in college, my very first full play, no, my second full length play was based on an episode. Really? It was not, it was not good, but I remember. <laughs> that's why I remember that. But the fact that you can say that, because I'm telling you, like, I bet these people still think they're, what they wrote as teenagers is still great. They probably still read the teenage diaries. Oh like, god, man, I was great. You know, and that's like, what they're that's what they're sending in to get <laughs> to get made, bro. Like, they, probably listen, revi- they probably don't even revise it. They probably like, they listen, have, no, rep- listen, representa- representation matters, my friend. Yes, they just changed the name to Brianna. That's all right. they do. <laughs> Speaking of representation matters, this movie made me think. Right of. When you see those horrible tweets on Twitter where someone will be like, hey, they uh, Joe Biden named the black person to the head of the CIA. And they'll be like, yes, Queen Slay. It's like, oh, my God, it's the CIA. You know, like, what are you talking about? Or, you know, someone became the head of, like, you know, Department of Defense or, you know, this, they put a black person in charge of bombing black countries or Kamala Harris was, you know, a great DA. Yeah, or, or, rest, in pe- or rest in peace, Colin Powell. Rest in power, he was a great Colin man. Powell. Rest in power, Colin Powell. Oh he was gosh. a great man. Yeah. I have great memories of him, all, all of that. Yeah, and, and this is a guy who uh, stood by burning, like, you know, villages in Vietnam. Like you said, it was, we did it and it was right. 
Like he he's did some heinous things. And that's what this is. They were like, Candyman is powerful. So one of us being Candyman and a hero is automatically a good thing. And that's what this reminded me of. It was like uh, they could have empowered themselves by having themselves as a collective, you know, uh, having like black people as a collective vanquish Candyman, but they'd still be powerless. Like they want to be in power, like being the people that vanquish Candyman, but still being powerless is still a loss to them, even if they are on the side of righteousness. They'd rather be unrighteous, but powerful and then reframe it as righteous. So they have to be Candyman in, in, in a good way. And the funny thing was they were already Candyman, didn't realize it. Because they can't see anything <laughs> bad about themselves, so they can't yeah. understand the bad candy man already was them. But th- that's just that's just you know this is where you realize how attached these blue checks and these socially mobile blacks are t- uh, to just the greater kind of American culture that's like so not introspective anymore. You know, like it, it, it's 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 the Marvel Captain America level, you know of just self affirmation you know they they basically do what white people do now it's all it is it's like yeah it's like exceptionalism exceptionalism and and it's just really mediocritialism media which is truly (laughs) me to be mediocre exactly and it's 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 so lame like i watch it or you know like when i when i sent y'all the other day the um Ava DuVernay's new show about where she's doing, I guess, her version of like, you know, one of these like family swap, family swap, but but like, you know, where they're going to talk about race and talk about justice. And I'm like, this is what you attach your career to. Like, this shit is what you want to be doing. Like this, this is how you see your contributions to society. It's so she, but you know, but I, I, I think especially a person like her who, who came up in marketing before she became a filmmaker. I think they have this desire to just be as lame Hollywood Bob Hope types. Like that's like their aim, you know, they don't want to be artists. So they don't even want to like create a new black aesthetic. They want to just fucking really be Bob Hope. <laughs> but, but, but this was really bad about them. They want to be the least innovative but yeah. at the same time be celebrated as the most innovative, which drives me nuts. Like, if they were just hacks, yeah. but at least, because there's a lot of hacks in rap now. What I like about the hacks in rap, at least, they admit they're hacks. They at least brag, they even brag about it. Like, like you see, like, 6 9 or all these different rappers yeah. appearing places. It's like, I'm not with that lyrical, spiritual, miracle bullshit. I'm just trying to get paid. You can do all that shit. Yeah. I'm just trying to make money. Like, they'll be bragging about how little time they spend on some shit. They'll be like, Yeah, I, I just a little, little Uzi Vert. I don't freestyle a fucking premiere beats. Fuck that shit. It's just whack. You know? Yeah. I don't care. Give me that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they admit it. These people, they want to be that mediocre, but be told that they're Rakim. And that's what. Uh, is so the, the one people rock him was the warm up for them. He was the warm up. He was a warm up yeah. for, you know, their George Carlin or something. And that's the part that drives me nuts is the constant self-congratulation. Um, Michael, I did not see the Candyman documentary that you're talking about, the mini documentary. But first off, the fact that you make mini documentaries about your <laughs> own film before it comes out is fucking insane. Somebody else should be making the documentary about your film years later after it's proven to be a classic that people just can't stop thinking about it to the point they're like damn i gotta find out how this thing was made you're fucking making a movie while you're making it you're like you know what 
let's just film everything because we're making greatness right now. Let's just make a real time documentary about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I mean, the self, I mean, the self importance is like off the charts yeah. because they, again, they have no introspection. They have no, they don't think they can be wrong about anything. They're not really curious, intellectually curious on any level. They think that they have like this great wisdom that they're going to deliver to the masses about like, what they think about white supremacy, police violence, blackness, whatever the topic is. And they're going to deliver it to you in this beautiful little package. And you are going to be grateful. And you're going and to then, learn something. And then I remember I, I went and saw Candyman in the theater with a white friend of mine. And at the end of the theater, at the end of the um the credits, it said something. There was like a, for, if you, something like, like it was not a PSA, but it was like a little, to help stop police violence, please call this number. Or something like that was at the very end of it. And I'm like, wait a minute. So all of this, you, you still think at the end of all of this is that you're going to deliver a little social justice message that the audience is going to take with them based on what they just saw. Yeah. It's so stupid. And, yeah. and, this so movie is a com- and we both were like, what? Like even huh. my like white friend was just kind of like, huh? But, but, but they all do this. Like, for example, when I uh, saw, I can't think you go back to this example, but it, this is too on the nose. When, um, I finished watching uh, Slave Play off Broadway. There were these grief counselors and resources for trauma oh, in the uh, lobby. And I was just like, that was such a parody. That felt like such a, I felt like the play had not ended. Yeah, it was, it was almost meta parody, except it was dead serious, yeah. you know? That grief counselors yeah. in, in the lobby. And right. now they're extending it into trauma the, therapists. Yeah, trauma therapists. And, and, and like with signs on the door, they're like, you need someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so it, crazy. It was so it was so ridiculous, and I tried to see like, it. And it's so again, it's like you're you guys. This, this thing, this play, is so electric and so dangerous. We really stuck our you know finger in the socket. You're gonna like you might need someone a, a, a shoulder to cry on, someone to scream at. Like, and we're here for you. Like, <laughs> what was what was funny is that I tried to approach them, and they looked at me like I was crazy because they're really there for the white people. <laughs> Of course, yeah. of course they are. Yeah. yeah. So so I was there. They had nothing for me because everything was about unpacking white privilege and everything. So it was like, you know, they didn't care about any black people who were traumatized. None of the materials had to do with that. And I knew it wasn't. So I wanted to kind of test it and approach Cause, it. Because, yeah, because it's like because people like that, that woman, Ashley, Ashley, I is that her name? The woman who like did the petition. Like people like that, like are hollering. They're like, "Fuck you, nigga, bitch!" Like, yeah, yeah, shut yeah. Up. You didn't even see it. Like all that stuff. You know? Oh yeah, they're going. They're going in on in on her. Yeah, yeah. But like, but if someone like that went up to the counselor, they that's what their reaction would probably be. Like, get the fuck away. <laughs> what, what do you fuck? Who do you, who do you think you are? You know, you said in this good white folks way. <laughs> all right, y'all. So. That is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good. <laughs>